Hi everyone and welcome to The Advocado, the podcast where we talk to people who have seen an injustice in the world and actually done something about it. Uh, they might be artists or political activists, protesters, campaigners, lobbyists or someone who's been actually affected by the issues firsthand. But what unites them all is this idea that change requires action both individually and collectively. Uh, we wanted to talk to the doers uh, and the thinkers, but mostly the doers. Uh, my name's Chris Mead. I am one of the hosts. With me is my co-host, Lydia Cosson. Hello, Lydia. Hello. And this week, we're talking to Helena Webb. Hello. Yay. Hi there. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast. You're very welcome. Uh, we're really excited. Um, would you like to uh, quickly talk uh, to us about uh, what's your passion? What, are the, what is the big uh, injustice that you are tackling? Um, so currently, the big injustice is about patriarchy and how it affects everyone in society and the environment and everything. So that's the, that's the major problem. That's I'm a biggie. It's, that's quite, a biggie. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite a big chunk to take off, but, you know, it's an attempt. Amazing. Um, and uh, specifically, you've been, uh, you're a dancer? I am, yeah. I'm a dancer and a choreographer um, and I do like movement direction and I also facilitate workshops so at the moment I'm working in prisons wow yeah <laughs> amazing so how long have you been um doing these workshops like in prisons so um I started researching dance in prisons uh, at the beginning of 2018 and I started the actual workshop series we started at the end of August and the last session of eight is tomorrow Oh, wow. Yeah. And before you were working in prisons, had you done anything like that before? Um, so not or? in the criminal justice system, no. Um, but I've worked with lots of different groups of people. Um, and I should just say I'm only working in men's prisons at the moment. Okay. Um, so I've worked with a lot of uh, non-professional men in dancing contexts um I used to well I made a show with two friends of mine um called dad dancing with Rosie Hefford <laughs> and Alexandrina Hemsley and that was all about trying to reimagine what contemporary fatherhood could be mm -hmm. so we made it with our three dads who aren't dancers um well they are but they're not professional <laughs> dancers if you know what I mean everyone's a dancer absolutely <laughs> totally agree um and then wherever we performed the show we built a, a local community cast of local father figures and children of all ages to be part of the performance with us um so I'm I've worked with a lot of men and that's one of the springboards into working in prisons Okay. Wow. Um, and for anybody like myself who has never been in a prison, um, I've watched a few documentaries which probably focus on sort of the very kind of worst or most scary or most sort of dramatic aspects of being in a prison. What? How would you sort of describe like a prison environment to somebody who's never really like come into contact with that kind of environment or? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, obviously there's lots of different layers and what's very specific is that different areas of the prison feel hugely different. So the first prison I was um, visiting was Thameside, HMP Thameside, um, and I was visiting the book club there. And the book club is in the library. The library is one of the only carpeted spaces in the whole mm. prison and it's got sofas and things that absorb sound so it's one of the only quiet spaces in the whole prison everything else is echoey and clanking and metal and everything um so actually it's quite a calm quiet space and the guys who come to book club on the whole are there because they want to escape from 
the rowdiness of other spaces. So that that part of the prison, you know, could be feeling quite calm and quite productive. But on the wings, it's generally horrible. Mm. Um, there's a constant sense of pressure and um, performed uh, kind of aggressive masculinity across the whole system. And it's not just the prisoners who you see doing that. Mm. It's some of the staff as well. So it's, it's a very grim environment on the whole. Um, unsurprisingly yeah <laughs> and and you feel like that environment has been created purposefully you know to sort of keep people down yeah, to stop sure. people growing for sure I mean where I'm working now um Wormwood Scrubs is a Victorian prison um and it feels like a Victorian prison it's it's you know horrible pointed windows and and kind of the gothic architecture and then you go inside and it doesn't really feel like it's changed much mm. since then. Um, so it's definitely all about surveillance, all about making people feel like they have no power um, and no voice and no autonomy, um, which obviously has a really bad effect on people. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. And you're bringing dance into this environment. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to take one step back and ask, just generally, mm-hmm. what do you feel are the benefits of dance? Ooh, that's a biggie. Um, <laughs> some of the benefits. <laughs> some of the benefits. Well, there's lots of physical benefits, obviously. It releases endorphins. You get some exercise. You get some circulation in your body. You stretch out the muscles that you might otherwise be very folded up all day. Um, often you have time to spend with other people. Um, so you might see other people dancing. You might communicate with people in a different way through that. Um it's also for me about allowing yourself, it's a bit like meditation sometimes, it's allowing yourself to just not have to think too much and just allow your body to respond to whatever is being offered in the space, which I personally find really exciting because, you know, you could just say, okay, I'm just going to dance to this one track of music however I want. Then you, you don't have to think at all. You can, if, if you're dancing to that track of music is just lying on the floor, then great, you're doing it. But... Yeah, so I think there's a really valuable element in dance of that kind of meditative quality. And I imagine it's an amazing tool to tackle patriarchal structures with because, I mean, I don't know, there's this thing about men not dancing. And I guess what you were talking about, dad dancing as well, this yeah. idea that that there's only very few men who are dancers and, yeah. and we're, we're not allowed to, to sort of do that. Is that sort of yeah. one of the reasons that you're using that? Yeah, definitely. I guess for me, it's it's wrapped up in this thing of like men always having to appear in control and totally capable and um, on top of everything. And actually, if you're, you're dancing, often you don't know what you're going to do next and you might do something, you know, wrong in inverted commas. You might do you know, something which looks silly or or moving or touching or, you know, it could be something which potentially makes you look vulnerable, basically. So a lot of the reason I'm working in prison with dance is because the guys that I'm working with very rarely have any opportunity to show any sense of vulnerability. On the wing, that just wouldn't happen because it's it makes you look weak supposedly and then actually you will get bullied and you will get taken advantage of so yeah it's a lot about demanding a space for men to be able to just be silly and not know not know what they're supposed to be doing not you know it's I guess it's it's a space of learning and that's always the space with learning right if you're learning something you don't know what it is yet so you have to feel a little bit vulnerable but with movement stuff 
you have to feel physically vulnerable, which is a big ask in a prison mm. environment. <laughs> yeah. And how in your in the workshops, how do you approach that? Because that is yeah, for me or for Chris, that would be a big ask for people who are sort of in that system where it's like ingrained within who they are not to show that kind of vulnerability or even go to that place where they might be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Where do you start kind of unpacking that kind of uh, mindset? And so, um, yeah, so um, we start with a lot of games. We start with a lot of like physical games. So um we often start with the ball game. I don't know if you know the ball game. Basically have a, like a soft football and you have to not let it touch the floor. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't double hit it. So you, you, it has to keep moving around everyone. And you count. And usually we can get up to 20. Um, and that's like a good way of getting bodies moving, but without it being feeling like, um, okay, now I'm dancing. <laughs> but actually you are warming up. So then I can ask something a little bit more challenging, a little mm. bit more creative and not worry that they're going to, you know, sprain their ankle or something. Right. Um, and then what was amazing, actually, with working with this group in Scrubs is that I thought that they were really not going to be up for it. I thought I was going to have a real challenge of trying to get people dancing. But I put some music on and they were like, oh, it's like we're being in a club and oh, well, let's just, you know, muck about. It was it was so willingly taken up it was so exciting for me to see um so more and more I'm like oh well I just have to create a, a nice enough environment mm -hmm. and ask them you know ask the group what kind of music they'd like to listen to make sure they've got some good snacks afterwards obviously that's nice. a massive Food always deal. helps <laughs> it's a massive thing in prison I mean it is everywhere for yeah. sure and like you know that's always been the case when I'm running workshops outside as well but um in prison food is yeah I brought all kinds of different biscuits. Do you take requests? Yeah, yeah, I do. Within reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the guys are like, in one of the first sessions, I was like, I brought bananas and some grapes. And that went down really, really well because um, in prison, you don't get fresh fruit or veg very often. And if you do, it's really battered and horrible. Um, so I was like, so what else would you like? And one guy was like, melon and lychee. <laughs> and lychee, I was like, amazing. okay, this is great. And then I was like, okay, I could do melon. And then I realized actually it'd be quite complex to do melon. I'd have to buy the melon on the outside and then cut it all up Break also out. on the yeah. outside yeah. because obviously you can only have a plastic knife in prison and that's not going to cut it with a watermelon, <laughs> I don't think. It would take me most of the session just to carve one up. Um, See, so yeah, I haven't done watermelon yet. <laughs> maybe. The the other thing you mentioned was music choices, and yeah. I was just I was interested what kind of requests you got and mm. what you were surprised about. Yeah, well, um, very varied music choices, but a lot of music that actually I'm not willing or not able to bring into the mm -hmm. prison. So some of the guys wanted to have like drill music or trap music, and actually, there's there is some which isn't super violent but it's quite few and far between mm -hmm. um and also a lot of it's quite aggressive towards women so obviously that's not something i'm willing to bring <laughs> yeah. into the space i mean the prison wouldn't want me to anyway but th there's just you know some lines that i'm not willing to cross right but then there's also some there's real interest in drum and bass for sure mm -hmm. um and dance music in general and i think that's again about this kind of escapism 
you can play something and I you know I'm borrowing the um, amp from the music group so I can make it pretty loud and then we can have this kind of you know drum and bass moment in this funny room <laughs> and everyone can really go for it and there, there is a sense of abandon then which mm -hmm. is great um what other music did they um uh yeah we had a long conversation about chris brown and whether i was bringing any chris brown music in um and i said no and they said yeah but you you know you bring in michael jackson wouldn't you and i was like mm, i'm not sure if i would you know yeah. really interesting conversations come up that kind of stuff you know and the guys the guy's sense of of justice and right and wrong is is very very strongly held so um they're very willing to like argue it out with me in, sure. in, a, in a kind of, you know, cordial, friendly way. So, yeah. I'm really interested. I, I know you've said that there aren't really many of these kind of schemes around bringing. Mm -hmm. you, I think you said there's maybe only one other that you've heard of in the entirety of the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's not a lot. <laughs> so you've conceived of this and decided to do it. Uh, I was just, yeah, I'm just sort of interested in like what made you go okay no no one's doing this I guess I'm answering my own question way um, but um yeah I'm just amazed that you you came in with you know normally there's precedent you think this will probably work mm -hmm. uh, I'm just interested in your leap of faith as it were in that respect so there used to be a few dance organizations working in prison um and then inevitably funding got cut and so they disappeared um I guess for me the reasons I knew it would work, well, I mean, I didn't know it would work, but working on dad dancing made me realize how important I thought it was for men to be offered this kind of space. And also to see how much um, dancing can then bring a sense of groupness so people are willing to share things verbally that they wouldn't otherwise be up for talking about. Then I started listening to this podcast called Ear Hustle, which is amazing big recommend um and it's made by prisoners in san quentin prison in the states and they talk about their day-to-day -day life in the prison and it's it's grim and sometimes funny and sometimes lovely um and there's an episode in that where a guy talks about he finally lets his mum come and visit him after years in prison he finally lets her come and visit and before this visit he practices hugs on himself because he hasn't hugged anyone wow. since he went into prison, like, I don't know, six years before or something, which is horrifying to me. The idea that yeah. you wouldn't have any hugs for six years mm -hmm. is just so dismal. I mean, obviously, there's other horrible things about prison, but especially because you get so much kind of authoritative or violent touch in prisons, it it just seems like such a waste of humans when we know that we survive be partly because of touch and interaction with other humans mm. and animals and you know that you know it seems insane that that is something that just is missed and so that was another thing and then what other things made me know that I should do it I did a workshop a notebook workshop with an artist called Scotty who um, does this thing called notebook warriors I think it's called and he basically encourages you to think about what you're really, really, really angry about. And at the time for me, it was feeling very, very annoyed that I was scared walking home late at night on my own. That was like, I couldn't cope with the level of injustice. It made me so angry. I mean, it still does, to be honest. <laughs> um, and so I started thinking, oh, I'll make a show for men so they understand what's going on and why a lot of women feel very afraid. And then I was like, who am I actually afraid of? 
So I guess that's another reason why I ended up working in prisons because, you know, some of the guys that I'm working with are people that I would be afraid of walking home late at night. Um, but that's not really your question. Your question is... <laughs> that was an answer to a much better question. So thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> no, but your question actually was, why did I choose to do it if there wasn't really a precedent? I guess that's probably even more of a reason to do mm. it, right? Mm. I, I really think that it's it's a really valuable project to have happening in prisons and I could see it wasn't happening yet. Mm. There's a lot of theatre work going on in prisons. I mean, a lot. There is theatre work going on in prisons. <laughs> there is some. <laughs> there is some and some really great stuff. Um, but as a dance person, I feel like theatre can't do all the things that dance can. Mm. Um, and maybe it's more accessible I've definitely spoke to a lot of theatre companies who work in prisons and criminal justice settings and they're like, so it's quite hard getting people on board for theatre projects. So um, dance is going to be even harder than that. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah, that's really encouraging. It's really Thanks, helpful. Guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but yeah, well, I had a lot of support this time. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, well, I was just going to ask, I know um, something that, uh, I've chatted to people about before is sort of the it's similar to Chris's question but where do you start so you've got this idea you think it's going to work you've got some experience obviously you're very experienced in um, dancing but where did you where was your like first port of call when you had the idea or um, you said you were doing some research so mm -hmm. how did you go from that sort of theoretical this sounds like it's going to be a really beneficial thing. How did you kind of find a prison that was going to host your workshops mm -hmm. um, and things like that? Where did you kind of start to get the ball rolling? Yeah. Um, much as I really hate Facebook, um, it actually was quite useful on this occasion. <laughs> I just put it out there saying, anyone know anyone who works in prisons? Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, and uh, I managed to find a, a great ally who's supported me lots, Siobhan McGrath, who works at Arts Admin, who used to be a resettlement officer and now works in their education. She's their education officer there. And she gave me loads of tips about how to get into prisons. Mm -hmm. She said things like, uh, start with the library. That's often a good place to start working with people. So then I Googled librarians in prisons. <laughs> Came across I one. This. Start with Facebook, then Google. Oh, yeah, it's pretty low level. I'm not a scientist. Um, and then I Googled librarians, and then I found one who's won an award, um, mm. called the prison he works at, said his name, said, I'd like to speak to this man. And they were like, okay. And then I got through to him, and he was like, how, how did you get my number? How, how do you know who I am? And just kind of blagged it. Yeah. Um, and then he invited me in. So then I started work, like visiting book club. So then I started to kind of get an idea of what prison is like and mm -hmm. what actually could be feasible in that setting um yeah and then again put it again on facebook and a friend tagged a friend of theirs who works at wilma's scrubs and that's the person who i'm now working with oh, wow. at the mental health unit there so where the set where the project's actually happening isn't necessarily um to the mainstream population at scrubs it's a uh, at Seacole, which is the mental health unit there. Um, Scrubs is one of the only prisons in the UK which has a mental health unit in like an actual place where oh, there wow. are therapy rooms. Most other prisons, you might have some OTs, occupational therapists and psychotherapists who can like come round, um, but you'll have to do your sessions like in a cell, which is crap. Yeah. Sorry, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm working at Seacole, and that is 
so valuable to have that as a first starting point. I've had so much support from the, the mental health team there in terms of knowing what might or might not work with the group. So, yeah, that's that's how I got in. What, <laughs> Blagging. <laughs> what I love about your answer is that you just use tools that are freely available. Um, yeah. yeah, I just think that's so and that's just great for anyone who's who has an idea, who has a passion. Um, and I think there's so many reasons not to do a thing always. And one of the stories we tell ourselves is, oh, it's too complicated. But I think we can all work Facebook and Google. We can all, and yeah. all it requires after that is just a little bit of courage and a bit of blagging. Yeah. And you can start. I think that's a really inspiring answer to me. Really awesome. I think also what helps for me was that I did a bit of blagging and I actually got somewhere. You know how sometimes you do a bit of blagging and you're like, oh, didn't really work. <laughs> Whereas this time I like did some and I actually got, you know, managed to do a bit of work. And then I um, managed to get some Arts Council funding, which has a big impact on how much work and how much time I can put into mm -hmm. something. So I was able to really um, spend a big chunk of time researching this project. And I didn't feel like, oh, well, I've got to squeeze it into the hour I've got after work. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you are, have put an exhibition together uh, yeah. for once. This is all culminated and stuff. So I just wanted uh, wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So um, as you're probably not surprised to find out, it's difficult to um, get dance work from prison out of prison. Mm -hmm. um, in the first session, the guys were like, so we're going to do a performance outside. And I was like, well, no, I'm not allowed to take you off the prison site, am I? Um, so we can't film the guys and photography is quite tricky. So we thought about how we're going to be able to share the work that the guys have been making. Often within dance, people draw scores or write scores for their dances that they've made. And that might be kind of symbols or it might be stick men or it might be floor patterns or it could be anything really. So we've done some of that stuff with the guys, with the dancing that they've done and the dances that they've created themselves. And then we've also audio recorded some people describing the dances that they're watching or the dances that they're doing. So that's the kind of stuff that's being shared at the exhibition um, alongside some work from the artist Erica Flowers, who is an artist who was incarcerated at Holloway Prison. And she did these amazing, I mean gruelling, amazing daily postcards. She did one postcard for every day of her sentence, um, which will also be shared there. So the exhibition is an opportunity for the guys to feel heard on the outside and for their work to be shared and for, for, for people to know that it's not only, you know, stabbings and, you know, doom and gloom. I mean, it is mostly, but it's not only... <laughs> And also for us to have a kind of broader conversation about prisons and about patriarchy and about dance and how those things interlink and how those things can perhaps change, change them, mm -hmm. change each other. Um, so, yeah, so that's what's happening. And I'm very excited about it. I'm also kind of like it's going to be strange to be sharing the, the work of the guys without them there. Mm -hmm. After we've done it, so we're sharing it at Deptford Does Art in Deptford High Street. And then we're taking the exhibition back into Scrubs, into their multi, uh, World Faith Centre, and sharing it again. Because the guys obviously made the dances and they made the recordings and everything. But I think it's quite a different thing for the group to be able to see their work presented professionally yeah. alongside another professional artist. Um, and very excitingly, we only decided this last week, but um, not only are there going to be the audio descriptions, which hopefully the audience will kind of put on and 
potentially dance to because they're kind of instructions. Um, but also I've hired some dancers, some fellow dancer friends who are going to perform those dances um, both at the Deptford exhibition but also at Scrubs. Oh, wow. So the guys will be able to see dances that they have created put into a kind of uh, audio or score format and then back out into a, another dancer's body, which I think will be very cool for them to see. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think I think this work is amazing and I'm really interested in um, specifically prison reform and the fact that, that these places aren't made to, to rehabilitate, they're made to push down mm-hmm. and the, the fact that that isn't a modern that isn't what a modern prison should be Mm -hmm, and so you're highlighting bits of that with your work Mm -hmm. but you're also highlighting just the fact that patriarchy is obviously the the big thing is it's awful for women but it's it's awful for men as well yeah um so yeah i was i just thought generally is there anything new you've learned oh there must be so many new things you've learned (laughs) but just just a few things that you didn't realize before you took on this project I guess I've learned more about the kind of day-to-day of the guys' lives in prison, which I think is really important to understand because because um, the government and the newspapers and everything seem to want us to think, okay, well, someone's done something bad, we lock them away, we never think about them again, and then somehow they are reformed or, or they stay there forever. And it's just some kind of magical situation that happens. But we don't have to think about it because they're bad people, you know, with just the capital B-A-D. So I think actually to think about the day-to-day lives of people who are in prison, it's important to, to know actually what happens. So the majority of the time, the guys at Scrubs will be unlocked from their cells about five hours a day. That's on a good day. If the wing's on lockdown because there aren't enough staff or because something's happened or they're having a search, people won't be lo- unlocked at all. They'll be locked in their tiny cells the whole day. And that can go on for a few days. So you might be locked in a cell either totally on your own, which obviously has very negative impact, or with someone who you might be very afraid of or you might really dislike or you might just find very annoying. And you'll just be locked in there with them for a long, long time. Then when they are unlocked, they might be able to get onto, um, they might have a job, so they might be training to be a barista. That's the thing at Scrubs you can do. Um, Or you might be going to education and you might be doing effectively GCSEs, A-levels, maybe a university course. But most of the time you're in a cell, which is tiny, metallic, tiny little window where you actually I think you can't even open the new windows, or maybe you can, but only ajar. Um, and there's there's really not anything for you to do. Like all the cells have TVs, unless you're you've been put on basic, which means you're being reprimanded, and so your TV gets taken off you. So everyone just watches telly all the time, which isn't great for anyone, right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I like watching TV, but you know, when you have a weekend where you really haven't got off the sofa all weekend, you don't necessarily feel great yeah, about it. Yeah, you don't feel good about what you're doing, or yeah, <laughs> or even just like afterwards, you might feel a bit rested for a bit, but I can't do that in the long term. And that's what the guys have to do day to day. So it's not that surprising that they, you know, the the um, recidivism rates are so low. Like the guys come back into prison, it's something like a forty percent. I think it's 40% of prisoners in the UK reoffend in the year after their release. Wow. 
which is massive, like it's huge. Is that fine? I think it's a third, maybe. Anyway, it's horrendous. And it's getting worse, inevitably, because the prison system is getting worse. So I feel like that's something I've learnt. And I kind of knew it was going to be grim, right? We, you know, I'm obviously at one end of the political spectrum. And um, I knew it was going to be horrendous, but I didn't know it was going to be quite that dismal. Hmm. So I guess that's one thing. I think also something about the power of, uh, sounds so cheesy, the power of dance. Mm. No, I love this. Power of dance, <laughs> go for it. I think even the guys who are performing their toxic masculinity to the max, they they still enjoy having fun. And if they can be given a space where they know that they're, you know, it's a kind of like what happens on Seacole stays on Seacole, you know. If they can be given a space where they feel free and relaxed enough to have fun, then like that's that's only going to be a positive mm -hmm. thing. Like I don't think it, whatever thing they may have done, whatever crime someone might have committed, I think in the long run, if they don't have any fun ever again, they're never going to get any better. They're only going to carry on committing crimes that m may harm people, right? So allowing a small amount of fun is probably part of rehabilitation <laughs> and um well the government don't want to see it like that evidently because they've just changed loads of laws to make it worse so <laughs> sorry dismal no but you i guess the glimmer of hope is that there are people like you within a prison bringing in those kind of those areas and those spaces where you know people can just be humans on a, you know everyone everyone can smile everyone can laugh and mm -hmm. that is sort of something that's within each of us and we do need that as you said in our day-to-day -day lives we need that kind of glimmer of something that is going to put a smile on our face or give us that chance to just be human and yeah. just be a person an individual rather than just a number or just another person that's yeah locked up and yeah i think that that must be a glimmer of of hope and of something yeah for sure the, for the, sure and i think also there's hope in the fact that when you offer these things to to the well to the group that i've been working with when i've offered it to them they've they've run with it they've mm. enjoyed it it's not been kind of you know i'm not doing that it's really been grabbed hold of and ran with which is that's that's what's my big glimmer of hope really and i guess the other thing is that as people in kind of more kind of everywhere society talk more about kind of mental health yeah. and um, toxic masculinity and how those things intertwine. Um, slowly, you know, super, super slowly, it will eventually hit the um, criminal justice system. And so hopefully, eventually, <laughs> we will get a better system that can support those people better to actually rehabilitate, whatever that word means. Mm -hmm. So... I think there is hope in that. And I think also, you know, when you like start to look into something and you're like, oh, okay, well, so so there is quite a lot of stuff going on down here. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like, when I was like 15, I was suddenly like, oh my God, the news is always so dismal. But I think it was just because I started like listening to the news more. I feel like I'm on the one hand, you know, knowing more about the prison system. Oh yeah, it's really dismal. But also knowing about the positive things that are going on, the people who are really fighting for those changes and, and pushing new work that can happen and that can support a different system. So there's definitely some positive stuff going on as well. 
there's that whole thing that you have to whenever something awful happens you look for the helpers you look for the people who are running towards the disaster or the awful thing Mm. Uh, and sometimes that disaster is in slow motion mm. because of you know these things are systemic and, and long ranging. But there's always there's people who are running towards the problem, yeah. and they're they're the hope for me. Those people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think also as a as a kind of middle class white woman, I'm aware that I've got this. I've, I can stand in a position of of power in a prison, which it has to be. You have to balance carefully right a lot of the people who work in the prison system are middle class white women and they're like very well meaning and they want to help and all that kind of stuff but ultimately I'm there because I think the work within patriarchy is for men to do mm. I'm just trying to create a space where they can do that work it's not it's not my work to really do really I'm just facilitating it happening so I, I, I think there's something useful to think about actually who you are as a helper and what why do you allow yourself to be that person? You know, mm. you know, what kind of privilege have I got in order to allow myself to walk into that space? It's important, I think. Well, fi final question for me, really. Uh, people have listened to this podcast and undoubtedly uh, felt like they want to do something about mm -hmm. it. So is there anything that people could do right now, finish this podcast and, and do to help any of these things that you're working on? Yeah, so there's... There is quite a few charities and organisations that are interested in having people come and volunteer. So there's book club that can be run by lots of different people. There's this amazing pen pal. Um, uh, it's called Let uh, Pen Pals for Prisoners, I think it's called, um, where like a lot of the guys don't have anyone on the outside. A letter occasionally has a big impact, right? But there's also resources like listening to Ear Hustle, I think, is just a great way to start thinking about the prison system. And then obviously it's a different system in the States. It's even worse than here. But it is useful to like have an ear into that world and then you'll end up talking about it to other people, which is really important. Um, and there's this amazing book um, written by Carl Catamol um, called Prison, A Survival Guide. And it's, it is literally a survival guide of okay, this is how it will work when you go into prison, then you'll have to do this, then you'll have to do that. But it's a real lesson. It really explains the whole system. And it it is quite grim in parts, but it's also quite, like, hopeful. And here's how we can change the world. If we push for systemic change, how can we push for these things? So, yeah. Oh, and another really thing that I find very hopeful, there's an Instagram account called Blue Bag Life run by a couple Lisa and Elliot. And Elliot was in prison for some years. I don't know how long. Um, and Lisa talks a lot about her experience as a, a partner of someone in prison. But they share all kinds of stories about the prison system and addiction and mental health. And I think it's a really important place where people can be very honest. And a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be given a platform are able to be very honest. So as far as I'm concerned, the things that you can do are educate yourself and have conversations with people who perhaps don't agree with you about this stuff <laughs> amazing and we'll put links to all of that on the episode notes so people can just click through just yeah after you finish this episode do click on those things yeah. explore educate yourself yeah mm. helena thank you i mean so much it's mm. been such a privilege to hear it's this so stuff. inspiring yeah, yeah yeah um yeah thanks for taking the time you're very welcome i'm very privileged to be able to talk about it thanks for listening to the advocado the advocado is produced by the christian aid collective and presented by chris mead and lydia cotton 
If you want to get in touch, follow us on Instagram at the CA Collective, on Facebook, or if you'd like to email, email collective at christian-aid.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. See you next time for another episode of The Advocado.